What I wanted to look at was John 15, 26. Um, we'll have the verses up there for you, John 15, 26, but we'll be in John 16, 7 uh, through 14. Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples. We had looked at John 14 last week, and we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And um, there's no other way of really saying this. This is, this is going to take weeks to go through, and, and there's just so much. And obviously, we can't review every single week and, and keep going back. But it's interesting because in this last few hours that Jesus had with his disciples, he, he, he gave them the promise. And so last week, we saw, him the, we saw the promise of the Holy Spirit. But in this conversation with his disciples, he brings up the topic of the Holy Spirit numerous times. And he gives them the promise. And so we saw the promise of the Holy Spirit last week. And this week, we want to spend a few moments on the person of the Holy Spirit. There's just so many levels to this. Um, you know, it's kind of like an onion. When you take an onion and you, an onion just has so many layers to it. And you know, the Holy Spirit is just it's something we could spend weeks, months, years studying. And we won't be able to do that. But I do believe it is important that we study who the Holy Spirit is. We're going to look at the person of the Holy Spirit probably this week and next week. I will say this. I'm going to try to keep it a little more brief today because it is Mother's Day. We want to give you time to go and honor your mothers and spend time with your mothers. So, Lord willing, we'll try to keep it uh, brief this morning. But I do pray that God's Spirit does speak to us and that He speaks to us today. So, in John 15, 26, notice this is, again, Jesus in the last few hours with His disciples here on earth. He said this. He says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, that's the promise. He says, The Spirit of truth. Who, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And then in John 16, just a little bit later in John 16, verses 7 through 14, notice what he says. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Listen to what he says. It's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus said, it's better for me to leave. Now, here's why. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But he says, but if I go, I will send him to you. Notice him. Notice this. And when he, notice these these words here. When he comes, he will convict the world. This will be for future teaching next couple weeks. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And then uh, if you continue on. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any more of that, that passage. Uh, the next verse, um, I don't know if you guys have it up there. Um, but anyway, if you keep reading on, let me go down to verse uh, 12. I don't know if you guys have verse 12 up there. I'll, I'll read it for you. Verse 12, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, speaking of the Spirit, he says the Spirit of truth comes, he Notice this emphasis. He will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. I keep emphasizing this. He. Notice he, he, him, himself. He will bring glory to me by, uh, by taking from what that is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father's mind, that is why I said, to this, to, uh, said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. He says, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while uh, you will see me. And how he was, what he's saying is you will see me through the Spirit. 
So understand this. What I want to talk about for a few moments is the, the person, the Holy Spirit. I know it's emphasizing the he, he, him, he, himself. But sometimes we don't realize this. A lot of times we think of the Holy Spirit. And it's sad, but many people it really had this idea that it's an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is an individual. And the Bible is very clear that Jesus referenced him, him and he and himself over and over and over. And we're going to see here as we unpack this in the weeks to come, even in this passage, Jesus tells us the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We'll begin to look at that in the weeks to come. But for a few moments, this person, the Holy Spirit, he is a person. Not only is he a person, but he is a divine person. He is God. And again, this is hard for us to wrap our minds around this. That yes, he is a person, but he is a divine person. We'll talk more about this aspect of the fact that he is a person because I think it will help us have a better relationship with the Holy Spirit and a better fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But let's first speak, as we talked a little bit last week, that this is a great mystery. We believe in what's called the Trinity. There's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you do have the passage up there, 1 Timothy 3, 16, notice what Paul says. Paul says that it is a mystery. He said this, great indeed, he says we confess. He says great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. What he's saying is that God is a mystery. He says he was manifested in the flesh. So God was manifested in the flesh. So who was that? Who was God manifested in the flesh? Anyone know? Who was it? Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was Emmanuel, God with us. So God manifested himself in the flesh. That's Jesus Christ. So you have God the Father, but you have the manifested God here on earth that came. That was Jesus. Remember, his disciples said, show us the Father. Earlier in this this setting, in the upper room, they said, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, and then later he said, I and my Father, we are one. They are one God. And so we see here, he says that he was manifest in the flesh. Notice this, vindicated by the Spirit. There's the Trinity. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says these three are one. And then he says this, he says, you've seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up into glory. It is a mystery. It is a mystery. We cannot explain it all. I can't try to say to you or try to get up and try to explain everything that there is about how we can explain it. But can I tell you this? As I said last week, that's what makes God God. That's who God is. God is a mystery. And that's what makes it awesome and wonderful. We're going to spend all eternity trying to figure God out. Amen. Because he is so awesome. And we can't explain him. He is a divine person. In the book of Genesis, as we studied last week, he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so we see that God is a trinity. We see here that the spirit is involved. As we studied last week, he was involved from the very beginning, from the time of creation, that he breathed life upon this earth. He breathed creation. In fact, even Jesus, while he was here on earth, In the Gospel of Matthew and also in the Gospel of Luke, both in chapter 12 of those Gospels, he said, Jesus warned, he says, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit, which means the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God. 
And he says, you, you don't do that. And that's probably one of the great questions, and that's for a future teaching. But you know, Jesus said there's one sin. Remember, how many of you have ever heard of the unpardonable sin? You know what I'm talking about? You've heard of it. And it was there in Matthew 12 and Luke 12. And Jesus said the one sin that God doesn't forget, the unpardonable sin, if you will, is the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And that's for a whole other teaching. But can I just tell you kind of in a nutshell, it is simply this. It was this, is that Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, performed miracles. And Jesus was performing miracles, and it was to testify, it was to authenticate that he was God. And when Jesus performed miracles, and when he did these great deeds, and he did them in the name of God, his opposers, his critics said, you didn't do it in the name of God. It wasn't God that gave you the power and the ability. It was the devil that gave you the power. Remember what Jesus said, a kingdom divided cannot stand. He says that makes no sense whatsoever. Why would I try to glorify God and they get power from Satan to do it? You see, understand this, is this, they were refusing to believe. Not, not, it was a willful refusal to believe what the Spirit of God was doing. Does that make sense? You know what the, there's only one unpardonable sin. You know what the unpardonable sin is? The sin of unbelief. They refused to believe what Jesus Christ was doing, that he was God. There is one unpardonable sin. And you know, a lot of people, that one unpardonable sin is murder. Well, it's lying, or it's, you know, it's, it's homosexuality, or or would you fill in the blank? Can I tell you, the Bible says that, that God will forgive every sin. There's only one sin that God cannot forgive, and that is this, the sin of not believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. That's it. All this, that's it. It's the only sin of unbelief. Without faith, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. So you must believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. And so people get so caught up with this unpardonable sin. And it all was in, in, in association with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God gave Jesus the ability to perform these miracles. The five, and, and a lot of people don't understand this. Now think about this. The Bible says in Matthew 4 that Jesus was led of the Spirit to go into the wilderness. You see, Jesus, as I said last week, and again, this is all layered together. It's, this is deep. But Jesus was led in the Spirit into the wilderness. The Bible tells us clearly that Jesus was anointed. The book of Hebrews says that he was anointed. He was filled with the Spirit more than anyone else. You see, Jesus lived his life completely, fully yielded to the Spirit of God. And so Jesus was allowing himself to be in submission to the Spirit of God. And he did it so much so that he was perfect. He was without sin. The Bible says and tells us clearly that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. So who raised Jesus from the dead? Who was it? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit, raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And so the same Spirit, the Bible tells us this, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same power, that same authority, lives and dwells within all of those who believe upon Jesus Christ. Amen? 
And so we have this power dwelling within us as we studied last week. That Paul says, that he says, we have in these earthen vessels, he said, in these jars of clay, we have the treasure of the Spirit of God dwelling within us. And so Jesus was led of the Spirit. Jesus was anointed, the Bible says, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was the first fruits of all who believe. He lived his life in submission to the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to understand something, that the Holy Spirit is a person. You ready? He is a person. He is a divine person. Now ready? And this is the part that I think will help us the most. The Holy Spirit is a sensitive person. A sensitive person. Do you remember when Jesus was being baptized? It's all through the Bible. It's unreal. But when Jesus was being baptized, do you remember what happens? Remember there's a voice, but what does it say? It it says like a dove or a dove. But then the voice speaks. You see, a dove is, and you'll see many churches, and, and churches will have a picture of a dove it's it's symbolic of the holy spirit a dove is symbolic of the of the spirit in the scriptures and what i find about the dove is a dove is gentle right and a dove is peaceful they're beautiful too by the way aren't they i don't know about you but there's times i just love to to sit out and you'll hear the doves you know when they're like cooing and when they're calling i love it i have to admit they're a delicious meal too by the way (laughs) just sorry (laughs) Oh, man, there goes, there goes the sermon. There goes the Holy Spirit. Just <sighs> There it goes. Delicious meal. By the way, turtle doves in the Bible was a sacrifice. They would use turtle doves. Um, I do, I, I know, I know some, you know, like, you shouldn't kill God's creature. You know, all that stuff. Well, I mean, it was all through the Bible. And, you know, Jesus ate fish and everything else, you know, and lamb. And probably dove once in a while when necessary. I, but listen, I do. I love all God's creatures. I really do. Right next to my mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> oh, man. We're in big trouble. But the Holy Spirit is sensitive. The Holy Spirit is sensitive. The Holy Spirit The Bible uses the analogy, the picture of a dove that's gentle, gracious, and graceful. You know, I see it all through Scripture. Do you know the Holy Spirit is, is, if you will, like a gentleman? The Holy Spirit will not force himself on anyone. The Bible tells us in Revelation 3, and and this is going to get deeper, not today, but next week too. And and by the way, we need to kind of... I want to be careful here how I say this, but we need to just take the Bible for what it says. And sometimes in the next week or two, there might be some things you go, whoa, I never really caught that before. Or I was taught this or I was taught that. Let's just take the Bible for what it says. I'm just one of those guys that just says, you know what? The Bible says it, that settles it. Amen. But the Holy Spirit tells us that he's gentle. The Bible says he's sensitive. We'll see this in a moment, but... The Bible says in Revelation, and when, when, even when the, the, the Lord knocks at the door, it's interesting. He says the Lord stands at the door of the church and he knocks. He knocks at the door. 
And he says, if any man will, will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and have fellowship with him and he with me. God doesn't force himself on anyone. But in that context, he's sp- speaking to the church. And this is what he says. Hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. So Jesus speaks to us. God speaks to us. And he speaks to the church and to you and I and all believers. And he speaks, we'll see in about two weeks, he speaks to the world as well. That he reproves. We just read it. He reproves the world of their sin. The Holy Spirit is moving and is at work. And we're looking for a few moments at this fact that he is a divine person, but he is a sensitive person. The Holy Spirit is sensitive. And what that means is this. We'll see this in a moment, but that we have to be in tune to the Holy Spirit. And many times I think we have this idea that, that somehow... God is like going to, to, to like, like open up the heavens to speak to us. And that when God speaks or when we want him to, to move and work in our life, that somehow God's going to have to like shake the earth. Now, I heard some rumor that there was an earthquake. Did we really have one the other day? Like 2.5 or something? I was asleep. And nothing wakes me once I'm asleep. But supposedly I heard there was some talk, some rumor um, but if it's on the Cedar City blog or whatever on Facebook, it's, it's fact. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Once it's on there, it's fact. But look at 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, we have it here. This is a story of uh, Elijah. And Elijah had just gone to spiritual warfare with a whole bunch of over 400 prophets of, of, of Baal. And he, he's being threatened by Jezebel. And we don't have time for the whole story. But Elijah, this great prophet, whom the Bible said he was anointed. And he had God's spirit. And God was using him. Listen to what happens. He runs for his life. He runs to hide. He's discouraged. And he just, he's just at the end of his life, in his mind. He thinks, this is it. I'm done. It's over. I'm exhausted. I'm wore out. And he, kinda, and he has this, I'm the only one left. It's just me. I'm the only guy left. No one else is living for God. And he's kind of having a pity party. And he goes and he sits underneath a tree, under a bush, and he says, I just want to die. But listen to what happens. We don't have time to read the whole chapter, but just highlight a few verses here. In verse 7, it says, An angel Lord came again a second time. All right? He'd already fed him once. Now he's going to feed him again. It says, The angel Lord came again a second time. And he touched him. He says, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. Next verse. Verse. Uh... All right. I'm going to have to go back there. What's that? We want to keep reading, though. <laughs> I want to keep going here. All right. Let me go to verse... Uh, let me go find it for you. First Kings. If you're praying for Dawn, she's homesick. So we have other people helping out. But I want to keep reading. Oh, my fault. <laughs> it's all my fault. <laughs> I'm having a rough day today. It's the shirts. I'm just like, there's all this just plaid. It's not their fault. It's my fault. Thank you. I'm serious. When you've seen all this out there, it says, and so notice what happens. And he rose and he ate and he drank. It's not them, it's me, my fault. And he rose and he ate and he drank. 
And notice what happens. He went and strengthened that food for 40 days and 40 nights. That's some serious angel food right there. Wow. So he went and strengthened that for 40, listen, for 40 days and 40 nights. But where does he go? He goes to Horeb, the Mount of God. Verse 9, and there he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord. The God of hosts for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. This is interesting. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound, listen to this, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord. The God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And notice the Lord speaks to him. He says, go, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Maloha, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. In the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. In the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet, notice this, yet I will leave 7,000 Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. By the way, Elijah thought he was the only one left. The Lord says there's more than 7,000 that are still being faithful. You're not the only one. Now you say, why are you reading this, this historical passage? Why are you reading this? And why are we talking about this? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Because I find it very interesting. A number of things here. First of all, Elijah, he runs, he's hiding, he's discouraged. And as he's discouraged, he lays underneath this, this bush and he's just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm the, you know, I'm the only one. And he kind of has a pity party. Aren't you glad that God's patient with us too, by the way? And the Lord was patient with him. He sends an angel to minister to him, to encourage him. And he gives him some food. Eli, Elijah sleeps. He comes back. He kicks him. He wakes him up again. He says, here, eat some more. He eats more. And it's enough to sustain him for 40 days. Now, what you may not understand and what you may not realize, and this is really kind of cool. This is amazing. And by the way, this will tie in, sorry, but this is weeks down the road when we talk about Passover Sunday and Passover. But God says to him, go to the Mount of the Lord. Go to Mount Horeb. Does anyone know another name for Mount Horeb? What another name for Mount Horeb is? Another name for Mount Horeb is this, Mount Sinai. Does anyone know what... Spectacular thing happened on Mount Sinai. We say the Ten Commandments, but before the Ten Commandments, something else happened on Mount Sinai, and that is this, is that Moses 
was out taking care of his father-in-law's flocks, Jethro's flocks. And God came and spoke to him and called him through the burning bush. And so God speaks to Moses at the burning bush. That's Mount Sinai. It's also called Mount Horeb. They're both interchangeable in the Bible, both the same place. This is deep. And so God calls out to Moses and he says, go. Go deliver my people. Set my people free. And so God speaks to Moses through this burning bush. Okay? Are you with me this morning? You tracking? So Moses goes. Moses goes. He's obedient to God. And then as they're coming back out, this will be future, but I'll just throw this little tidbit out for you, that after they leave and God delivers them from Egypt, you know how many days it is until Moses goes up? And Moses, and then they're waiting, and while they're waiting up there, it was 50 days. And then at the, after 50 days, Pentecost, 50 days, God gives them the law, the giving of the law. And from that time forward, they would celebrate Pentecost. By the way, when did Jesus, Jesus says, wait and, and pray. And then when, as we look at history, when did they, the believers receive the filling of the Holy Spirit? On what day? The day of Pentecost. 50 days after Passover. You understand? You see that there's a whole lot here. There's a lot of depth to this. So 50 days after Passover, that's Pentecost. 50 days. What were they celebrating? They were celebrating the giving of the law. And then, and, and God speaking to his people after he delivered them at the time of Passover. Jesus, Jesus was the Passover lamb and he shed his blood for us. Fifty days later, the promise was fulfilled. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But isn't it interesting of all the places God says to Elijah, I want to speak to you. He says, I, I want you to go to the Mount of God. And so he travels for 40 days. It's nearly 200 miles. He travels 200 miles to go to the Mount of God. And when he goes to the Mount of God, he goes to Mount Horeb. Interesting, he finds himself in a cave there. Do you remember when Moses first encountered God? The Bible says that he hid himself basically in a cleft of a rock in a cave. Elijah finds himself in the same exact place where Moses was and where God spoke to Moses. And what God does is he does an interesting thing. He sends a great wind, a great wind, not quite as strong as the wind here in Enoch, but almost. It says it shook the mountain and the mountain shook. But listen to these words. Do not miss this. But he says this, but God was not in that wind. Yet it's interesting in the book of Acts, the Bible says when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, there was this wind or breath of God. Moses experienced a burning bush. Elijah didn't. What else does the Bible say? He sent an earthquake. And so the mountain shakes. But what? Was God in the earthquake? Yes or no? And then a fire. But yet we see in the New Testament, it says it was as if there was cloven tongues of fire over their heads. And, but he was, the Bible says he wasn't in the fire either. And I love this. Beautiful. He says it was a quiet whisper. The King James Version will say it like this in a still, small voice. 
You know, so many times, can I just say that so many times we have certain expectations of how we think God is going to move and how God's going to work. And how I can tell you most of the time, it's in a still, small voice that God speaks. And oftentimes we're not listening. He is a sensitive person. He's that dove. He's gentle. Can you look with me in a couple other passages? We're almost out of time. But Ephesians chapter 4, very quickly. Ephesians 4. Like I said, we'll have to pick up on this next week. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. And I hope I don't mess this one up this time. But listen to what he says. I want you to see the Holy Spirit is sensitive. You ready? Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. and Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So you see there's like a long list here of things. But I want you to see the point here in a moment. So, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. Now listen to these words. And do not grieve. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice. Be kind one to another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgiven you now we don't have time you to read that whole chapter he says there's a whole lot of things you shouldn't do and the way you shouldn't treat people and all of these things but here's really the in essence the point is this is that as you are a believer as you follow jesus christ if you've accepted jesus christ as your savior you have the holy spirit living inside of you and what that means is this what that means is the holy spirit can be grieved the holy spirit can be hurt the holy spirit We'll see in a moment, the spirit can be quenched is another term that the Bible uses. The Bible gives us this whole list of things that, you know, anger and, 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 and the way we talk and how we treat people. And what he's saying, do not miss it. If you get nothing else, just remember this as we're doing this series on the Holy Spirit. Remember these words I'm about to say. You ready? The Holy Spirit has feelings too. You have the Holy Spirit of the living God living, I hope it doesn't, living and dwelling inside of you. That everywhere you go and everything you do and everything you say, every, the way we treat people, how we act, the Holy Spirit is right there with us. He is our paracletos. He is our paraclete. He's right next to us. He is with us. We are involving him in everything that we do. And that Holy Spirit is a Holy Spirit. It is the very Spirit of the living God. The same Spirit that gave us the law of God. The same Spirit that spoke to Moses in that burning bush. The same Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ up from the dead. The Spirit of God that breathed creation into existence dwells within each and every one of us. And that is why, brother and sister in Christ, may I say to you, 
That is why it is so important that we do not allow anger to overcome us and jealousy. That is why we have to be careful the things that we say and how we treat one another because you understand that when we do these things, we're involving the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells in the Corinthians, Paul said this. He says, your body is the temple of the very spirit of the living God. And his spirit dwells within you. In everything that we say and everything that we do, we involve the Holy Spirit. That whole 1 Corinthians 6, 19, that's why he says, you better run from sexual immorality. You better run from it. You better hide from it. Because he says, listen, if you're, if you're in sexual immorality, you're involving the Spirit of God in that same thing. And it's, it's pretty heavy stuff. I'm passionate about this. Because the Holy Spirit has feelings. Hey, man, the stuff you're looking at the Internet, the Holy Spirit sees too. Men and women. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) But I have to listen to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit says speak and preach And be passionate. And I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And that is why he says it's so important. It is so important. It's why our relationships are so important. Do you know why many churches are just failing and falling apart? Because there's anger and jealousy and bitterness and all these things. And the Spirit has no ability to move and work. Because we've grieved the Holy Spirit. That word grieve is a powerful word. When we think about that word grieve, think about this. That's what takes place when someone dies. When we grieve the loss of a loved one. The Bible says, he says, that's why Paul was so passionate. He says, guys, you can't allow this stuff. You need to get this stuff taken care of because it grieves the Holy Spirit. One last verse, we're finished. First Thessalonians 5. Like I told you, we can't get through all of it. We'll talk more next week. Last verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19. Notice this. Now, here's some things we should be doing. You know, he has these things. He says, hey, these things, you let these things in. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Notice this. Rejoice always. That's convicting to me right there. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Boy, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is where I'm giving thanks in all circumstances. I struggle there. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why? Because he says, do not quench the spirit. In some version, it literally says, do not put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. And the, the, the passage goes on, but it, it's this. It's that understand this. We get nothing else. Please get this. As we, we were, Last week, we said we're living in the awareness of the Holy Spirit. This week, I want us, as we get ready to leave here in a few moments, to be living sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We saw that there was the promise of the Holy Spirit. God keeps his promises. He sent his spirit. Amen. But we see this person of the Holy Spirit. And what we realize is he is a, yes, he is a person. He is a divine person. But the Holy Spirit is sensitive. And we oftentimes wonder why we're not living, if you will, in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's because we have grieved the Holy Spirit. We've quenched the Holy Spirit. 
many times by things that we're either doing or things that we should be doing that we're not doing. We're not grateful. We're not praying. We're not appreciative. We're not thankful. And the Holy Spirit is so quenched. And it's like we've taken, it's like we've taken a, you know, a bucket of water and thrown it on the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. That the, the Spirit of God wants to, to have moving and working in us. And so we must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Sensitive to the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit. Elijah was on that mountain, you know, there was the wind, the fire, and all of these things, but it's that still small voice. May we be sensitive to His Holy Spirit, amen. May we be listening to that still small voice that speaks. So many times, it's hard, right? There's so many other voices that we're hearing. It's so loud. I don't even think we can do it. It's probably too loud in here. But if you were to be really quiet, like there's times they come in, never even recognize it, never notice. But if you were to be real, if we were to try to be really, really quiet, I'm going to try it once. I don't know if it's going to work. It's probably going to fail. Epic fail. All right. Be as quiet as you can. Listen once. Be as quiet as you can. Can you hear it? Some of you? Do you hear the clock ticking? Can some of you hear it? There's a little clock. Can you hear the phone ringing? <laughs> See, if it was loud, we wouldn't have. There's a clock. Some of you can hear it, right? Here's the point I'm trying to make. Most of us, we come in, it's loud, there's noise. We never even hear that clock ticking. Don't even recognize that it's there. But can I tell you, that clock is speaking, it's ticking, and it speaks. And it's ticking and ticking and ticking. Another second, another second. Another minute, it's almost lunch, it's almost lunch. <laughs> the point is that so many times we're not listening. But when we say, I'm going to try to listen, we can hear. You know, most of the time we're just so busy with our lives that we're not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we're not listening. The Holy Spirit has feelings too, amen? Let's be sensitive to Him. And all God's people said, let's stand together and have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you.